Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi there, and welcome to Lawrence Delalio's Lions Podcast with my special guest, Ben Kay. All right, Lowell, how are we? Just pouring you a pint of London Pride. An outstanding pint, if I might say so, and the official beer of the British and Irish Lions, which is what this podcast is all about. Yeah, and it takes skill. Right, that probably rules me out then. Dedication. Indeed, indeed. And time. Yes, it takes all of those things to get into the Lions squad. Oh, actually, I was talking about the skill, dedication and time that goes into brewing an ale like London Pride. Oh, absolutely. But it's the same if you want to be a Lion and to play with Pride. There you go, mate. Thank you very much. We've got our pints, lol. We're all set for the match. And this podcast in partnership with London Pride, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Cheers. Cheers. And remember, please drink responsibly. Lawrence Delalio's Lions podcast, brought to you in partnership with Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Hello and welcome to Lawrence Delalio's Lions podcast. This week, we're broadcasting to you from the Temperance Pub in Fulham, southwest London, as ever. Joining me is Ben Kay, my good mate, and Will McPherson, the chief sports correspondent of the Evening Standard, and my very special guest, our very special guest, the one and only Rob Henderson. Rob obviously played for Wasps for many years, then he played for Munster and helped Wasps win the European Champions Cup, uh, and he played for Ireland for many, many years, and he was a British and Irish Lion in Australia in 2001. Rob, welcome. Thanks, Lord. Great intro. I did say to you, actually, other than obviously having dinner with your wife tonight, Angie, I mean, this is like your perfect date night, really, isn't it, with, with your mates uh, at a pub, drinking, talking about rugby? It's a, it's a perfect date night with my wife. She's not here and I'm in a boozer, as you said. So <laughs> it, it, we're just about to talk rugby and I'm drinking London Pride. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? Well, let's cut straight to the chase. Um, obviously, we want to hear a few stories. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the selection of the test team in a minute. But uh, you went to Australia in 2001. Uh, lasted infinitely longer than I did on that particular trip. But uh, just give us an insight, uh, you know, for our listeners at home uh, and everyone here in the pub, what it was like on that trip. I mean, you went there, obviously, wanting to compete for a test jersey and you ended up playing in that first test. And I'd like to think that the reason Brian O'Driscoll scored that amazing wonder try in that first test and you went on to win it was down to your good self. Well, I think anyone that's seen the series will appreciate that and uh, and agree with you, Lol, to be perfectly honest with you. But a journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step and... Uh, having been dropped in 99 for the World Cup, I, uh, I got the yellow pages and got myself a personal trainer. Managed to train very hard. Never. And, yeah, honestly, honestly. Still I got, got him? Yeah, 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 yeah still yeah. got him. Um, <laughs> I, I ate his leg yesterday. I'm having his thigh and uh, one of his arms later on. But got a personal trainer and managed to get onto the tour. And, uh, and obviously, 
your... I, I remember when you, when you used to pick me up quite regularly to go to whilst training, and it's fair to say that you had your nutritional supplies sort of in the, just behind the gearbox, really, didn't you? Sort of sponsored by Morbillite, you would say? Uh, well, I wouldn't say that now uh, to all the, uh, the people. I have a very healthy, uh, very healthy uh, persona. Um, but it takes a lot of time and dedication, like it does, to pour a fantastic pint of London Pride to, uh, to get onto the Lions Tour. And, um, and getting out there is one thing, and then trying to get onto the test team is another. And, uh, and I was very fortunate that uh, I managed to injure Catty and, and Will Greenwood <laughs> early on um, and managed to play all three tests. I love, um, the, I love the way you said it. it takes a lot of time and dedication, but missed out the skill. <laughs> well, you, you, can't, uh, you can't shine a turd, Ben. So... Uh, <laughs> so Give us an, an insight. You, you did play a, a huge part in that first test and you won that first test and it was probably, I won't mention the fact you lost the series, but you won the first test and it, it was a huge performance. I was watching in the crowd. I was surrounded by Aussies uh, with all the other uh, dirt trackers and you know, no one gave you a chance. They've written you off. Um, it's test week this week. Just give us an insight into the excitement. Now the selection's out of the way, and we'll get onto that in a minute. Yeah. The, the build-up to that first test is massive, and the excitement in the camp's huge, right? It's, it's enormous. It's something that if you've never been in that situation, it's difficult to, to comprehend and for me to verbalise. But, but when you're representing four countries, you're, you're down in the Southern Hemisphere, you're taking on the then world champions in their own backyard, and they're a star-studded team. Uh, myself probably wasn't on many people's um, initial starting 15s that uh, there's a lot of armchair um, fanatics that do that before every every test series but but you've got time to think about it but having been a, a professional for five six years anyway um, and on the Monday night I remember starting to go through the match in my own mind and this is what the players will be doing now they'll be they'll be playing through the game, going through different scenarios mentally when they're sitting in their own hotel rooms on their own, so that when Saturday comes, they're, they're ready mentally for any uh, circumstance or, or, or bounce of the ball that may go their way or not. Just talk us through your memories of, of, that, of, of getting that team selection when, when it first happened for you in 2001 for the test. I mean, you, you're just amazed, you're, you're, you're flabbergasted, etc., etc., and uh, and there's all these emotions. Not, not as the... amazed as the rest of us, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and, by, and by the way, what I like, Lawrence, is the fact that uh, you're talking about 2001, saying you lot did all right, you lot did okay. You were on that as well, by the way. So it's it's us. I, we... I, I left before you lost the game, mate. Yeah. To be fair, yeah, I, don't, I know you did on that camper van around Australia. That was a great tour. Myself, um, Phil, Phil Greening, um, oh. Dan Luger, Natalie and, and, and Mike Cat. <laughs> sure, she was there, but yeah, she was on the radio I think at the time <laughs> but uh, yeah we were heads we stopped tails we move on it was pretty simple well that was actually uh, Graham Henry's game plan to be honest with you and um, <laughs> and it worked in the first test but we kind of came up short in the second and the third but no going back to se selection you, you've got that time and, and you don't know who to tell because uh, obviously like Scarpa flow loose lips sink ships we've seen that this time round yeah. um, and and it's just building yourself up um, supporting the guys that aren't in the team uh, and then being as supportive of you, and then uh, and then fully I focusing love, on the I weekend. love the party line, you know, supporting the guys in the team, stabbing the voodoo doll before selection. <laughs> <laughs> ben, what were your recollections of, uh, of of that first test selection in 2005? I mean, it was who was left standing really after yeah, the warm-up games in New Zealand. I guess in some ways similar that the, there was a, a little bit of discord in in the camp, wasn't there? In in 2001, not necessarily between the players, but are we in the in the right place? But 2005, there definitely was, and I think you know Clive's admitted since that you know he probably shouldn't have tried to treat it like an Eng England. It's very, very different. That's what that's what Gats's major strength is. You don't become head coach for three tours 
unless you've got something different to everyone else. And his biggest strength is creating belief where you shouldn't really have belief. So Clive's belief was created by all the preparation he'd done beforehand. Gats basically th turns that on his head and says, you don't need preparation. You don't look at this weekend. I think the only partnership that have played together is the centre partnership and they've played there once last weekend. So like he's created this belief where they think they can go out and do it. And, and despite being a, a rag team that's been thrown together. And, and that, that for me was, was where we got it wrong. We, we, we had an, there was apprehension in the week leading up to it. We, we, of course you go, oh yeah, we believe we're going to beat the All Blacks. But we knew this was a really special All Blacks team. And I think at the back of everyone's mind, there was that apprehension that, are we going to be good enough? And Do you know what? I, th I think that's, that tour got a uh, unnecessary sort of bagging. I mean, the reality is, no matter who you picked, Richie McCaw, Dan Carter, you know, all the rest of them, two years after they've lost the World Cup, uh, you know, back in and a chance to beat the Lions. I think Warren Gatlin's greatest strength, though, is probably the fact that there is a total alcohol ban in South Africa, but I'm pretty sure... He's found the, some. In the, in the Lions team hotel, <laughs> I'd be very, very surprised if there, is a, kegs of London if there is a complete alcohol ban, because if I know Gatti, like anything, a rugby tour, including the Lions, at whatever level, doesn't exist without um, a good drop of London pride. So I'm sure we've shipped enough out there for him. Uh, there we go. Um, you're, you're only not allowed to buy it if you're given it. It's yeah, fine. One hundred percent. There's been a few or, gifts lying. Or around. if you happen to find it lying around the hotel, you may not have been there a while. I'm probably pre-lockdown. But uh, well, we, we must talk about the selection. Um, clearly, uh, someone's already leaked it out. So uh, you know, not quite sure how it got out. I mean, uh, all the betting companies are wondering how it got out. But uh, talk to us about the selection. You know, you've been speaking to Warren Gatland and all the senior you know, members of that squad out there. Um, selection is, is not something everyone's ever going to ag agree with. Um, you either get picked on form on the, on the tour itself, and uh, let's be honest, we could put some stronger 15s out against uh, you know, the majority of what the Lions have faced so far, or you get picked on what we call credit in the bank. So someone like a Robbie Henshaw maybe has been picked because of what he did in the Six Nations. Or you get picked on a mixture of all of that and what they've seen in training. Um, and knowing Warren Gatlin like we know him, sometimes there isn't a reason why you pick one player over another because it's so close. It's just on a gut feeling, a gut reaction. You just got to go with your gut. And um, you know, give us an idea about what you thought was a surprise selection. Rob's already talked about the fact that he couldn't name the 15. You know, what were your thoughts? <laughs> well, it was, it's been an incredible week. It's been a, another remarkable story on this tour. It's been a, we know it's been a tour like no other, but... The team itself is a team like no other as well. Uh, Alex Lowe from The Times wrote a story on Tuesday afternoon about the, the Lions team. It was due to be named on Thursday. They brought it forward 24 hours. He got 22 out of the 23, right? Oh, Just Benny, one. Benny, you give him the old inside track. <laughs> no. You don't work with him anymore, he's but you used to. He's done, he's done very well. There. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd, he'd be just sitting at home chuckling to himself. Yeah, yeah, I think he's quite pleased himself. But, uh, and across that team, when, when that story was published in the on Times website on Tuesday afternoon, it was, it was kind of, you looked down the list and there was stories wherever you looked, um, whether that's Luke Cowan-Dickey at two, Jack Conan at eight, Ali Price at nine, Elliot Daly at 13, Stuart Hogg at fullback. It, it, it's a, it, just the list goes on and the guys he's left out, the sort of heroes of 2017, uh, Jamie George, Falatau, Vunapola, Farrell's only on the bench, so is Murray. Just everywhere you look, there are surprises. And I think that's kind of an indication of what this tour has been like. They haven't had any game where anything resembling a test team has played before uh, the first test squad has been named. 
Benny, for you, in 2009, when the Lions went to South Africa, they played, they won all the warm-up games bar the South Africa A game, which they drew, but they won those warm-up games by two or three points. They were tough warm-up games. When it got to the first test, they, lot, they got the selection wrong, right? There's no doubt about that. Ian McGeekin was the head coach. Warren Gatlin was the assistant coach. They picked Phil Vickery, which, and we won't talk about it or dwell on it, but he had a nightmare day uh, against the Beast. And... We gave three scrum penalties away, which the Springboks kicked. And in the end, I think the game was 23-21, and it cost us the match. This time round, they've gone with a type five that they believe is the right selection. Against the Springboks, you've got to respect their strengths. It blew England away in the World Cup. You and I were both there. We knew the game was lost in the first couple of minutes. Has he got it right? Look, I th the Lions is different to a World Cup, because a World Cup, when you get to the business end, if you lose one game, you're out. So he knows he's got extra games if it doesn't work and also those extra games are all going to be at sea level which is a massive benefit to the Lions now that's been announced they're all going to be at Cape Town what it shows me that selection is he's gone with his game plan and he said and if you look at the warm-up games they've been playing an open expansive game South Africa A was a red herring they didn't want to show them anything they've kept everything tight even when South Africa A were down to 13 men they still were picking and going on the line when there must have been acres of space out wide I think he's gone, right, I'm going to roll the dice on the first one. I'm going to try and control the game and make it open and expansive. And who's the most successful team against the Springboks? It's New Zealand. So he's picked a team to, I'm not saying they're akin to New Zealand players, but to play that style of game and not get involved in an arm wrestle. If it doesn't work, he's then got slightly more conservative players to bring off the bench. If they're getting peppered in the air, Liam Williams can come on and... and but I, you know, I just think he's gone with, right, first game, we're going to try and dictate things and we're going to try and open it up and we're going to hope that you know, our scrum and our line out gets enough ball for us to do that because that was the big problem. You know, that, that is the big problem against South Africa. What they don't want to do is get into a situation like England were in the final where it gets into an arm wrestle, South Africa gets slightly in the lead and then yeah. there's no chance they of wrestling. They don't want to turn about. up late for the game is what they don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> and that might help. I'm sure, I'm sure they might get the police escort sorted this time. Um, Rob, uh, talk to us about the centre selection. Um, a lot of people thought Bundyaki maybe had an opportunity. Owen Farrell playing at 12, um, omitted but on the bench. Masses of experience to come on. He's gone with Robbie Henshaw, he's been outstanding. He's had his difficulties with injury, but I think what he did in the Six Nations was obviously huge. And then Elliot Daly, um, you know, playing in the championship. He must be the first championship player to be selected at centre for the British and Irish Lions, isn't he? I mean, that's, that's quite something. He last played for England at centre in November 2016. Well, I mean, it's I'll incredible. be honest with you, having, having watched him grow up as a, a young kid, it's easy in hindsight to say this, but we've, we've always felt that he should have played at outside centre. You know, he isn't a Liam Williams at fullback. He isn't an Anthony Watson on the wing. Uh, in it's, terms it's, of he, it's one of Eddie Jones' kind of blind spots, isn't it? Well, but Eddie, Elliot Day yeah. is not a centre. He's well, tried the, to the manufacture more, The more we talk back. about that, the, the, less, the, the less... But anyway, this is not, That's about, another Eddie, podcast. It's not about Eddie Jones. It's, it's, about it's not about Eddie Jones. I mean, you're talking about the centres. I'd like to talk about the centre, the spine of the team. So, I mean, Cowan Dickey's there. He's, he's there on, uh, on merit. You could have picked any one of those hookers. I think we've got some quite good strength in the, uh, in the front five. I think there's a massive risk with Alan Wynne-Jones coming straight back in. I really do. He's been out for three or four weeks. Shoulder injury, um, he's got to start him if he's going to play him. Um, Conan at, at number eight. By the way, all of these players are fantastic players, but are they the strongest team that you could put on the field? Conan, if, um, uh, if, if Faletau was on fire, wouldn't be in the side. We know that. And Faletau brings that experience. So looking down the centre of the team, you've got number five, number eight, taking a risk with Ali Price at nine. 
Uh, he's got an uh, uh, untried centre pairing. Henshaw on his day is magnificent. Elliot Daly on his day can unlock defences. And Hoggy at fullback is a loose cannon, so who is entertaining to watch as a supporter. So I think if you look down the middle of that team, there's a lot of issues that, that, that may uh, come unstuck against what will be a resolute, big, tough, strong, quick South African team. I think you're absolutely right there. Benny, as a man who ran the England line-out for many, many years, you know the challenge that, that uh, Alan Wynne-Jones, Luke Cowan Dickey face against the Springboks. Wherever you look as a hooker, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of height. And I'm fascinated to understand from you, as a guy who called the line-outs you know, brilliantly, uh, who will be calling the line-outs for a start? And will you, will you have had a, a proper sit-down with Luke Kowandicki, which, let's be honest, he's not been picked because of his arrows, although they're very, very good, and they were good against limited opposition. Jamie George is probably the best thrower in of that group, but he's been picked because of his all-round game in the loose, his ability to, to you know, score tries close to the line, all of that, all the, his carrying ability. What would you be saying to him as a player who's not played a huge amount of, of times for England, um, you know, around about that line-out calling? Because it's a massive challenge, that. Uh, the biggest challenge is that relationship between whoever's calling and the hooker and, and just knowing. The hooker will, will always try and... Um, will, it, will it be Alan Wynn calling uh, well, or will it be Maratoji? I don't actually know. Laws has done Alan, a bit for England yeah, as well. Yeah, Alan Wynn's not... I think Laws, has, Laws was actually a guy that got a load better at it. But when he plays six, he doesn't tend Alan to... Alan Wynn throws Marrow, the ball to the Marrow, front of the line out. Yeah, he? yeah. I think <laughs> Marrow will call it. Which only gets you so far. I, I said I think Marrow will call it. I think Marrow might sort of jump more in that two role with Alan Wynn in the middle. So it's, it's really... Uh, that, that's a big area of concern. And, and, and particularly because that relationship with the hooker and knowing... The hooker will never say, I don't want to throw that throw. But knowing the throws that he... You, he probably doesn't want to at the back of his mind throw is, is a really important thing and they haven't had that relationship and, and Cowan Dickey's obviously had Johnny Hill there who calls, calls his club line outs has call, been calling his line outs for him for England this year so it, it does that is a slight area of concern having said that the South Africans have lost a couple of key bodies in that area as well so we don't know how how they've adapted uh, defensively at the line out but it, it's a massive area and, and, and the problem is like a lot of with the side we've seen picked, how it goes in the first 20 minutes with a line-out is key. If you lose one or two in the first 20 minutes and you don't have that inner belief, it falls apart. Because the biggest problem with line-outs is hesitation. If the hooker hesitates, he doesn't get his arm in properly. If, if a lifter hesitates, you miss the, the top of the jump. So if, if, if they get them hesitating, they're in trouble. The Mind you, Warren Gatlin has coached sides that couldn't win a line-out ever, to be honest. <laughs> and we won a lot of trophies by doing that because we came up with a few little things against your good self yeah, many, yeah, many thanks times. thanks for reminding me. Yeah. European Cup final a couple of times, but also, you know, just not being afraid to throw a few things in the mix straight off the back of the line. I think, you know, you've got to do that to, to change things up. He a did little. that early on as well, and that really surprised me because he was showing all these different things which you don't show your hand early. And Warren's clever. He doesn't, he doesn't do that unless he's setting someone else up for something. So, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see their strategy. I think any coach that uh, created the 15-man line-out at uh, one stage, uh, and, I, and I played in that match in, in International Lansdowne Road, and then had myself and Brian O'Driscoll lifting at the front of the line-out, <laughs> he'll have something up his sleeve to try and combat that, uh, that height. Well, we've talked uh, in great depth about the line selection. Give us an, an insight into what you think is happening in the South African camp because the South Africans, anyone who's ever met them, they believe that they're the best team in the world always, um, even though they won the World Cup by losing to New Zealand in the first game quite comfortably um, and then had a pretty much a cakewalk until the final and then 
pretty much a cakewalk during the final as well. But they are, they are a team that are full of belief. They obviously have beaten the Lions already with their South Africa AAAAA team. Um, but they lost, they lost to the Bulls as well. So, you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty. Sia Khaleesi's playing his first game since he's come out of isolation. You know, there's a lot of things that you could argue have not been in their favour either. So they could be ring rusty too. Definitely. They, they got on the front foot this week and named their team on Tuesday. They said, we told the players we might as well tell the world. This is our team. Khaleesi's ready to go. He hasn't played a game after having COVID. Nor is Pollard, nor is the hooker, uh, nor is the winger. They're, they're, they should be really ring rusty, you'd think. But they're, as you say, they always believe they're pretty good. So they're, they're very confident. I was surprised to see they had like they've got Lou Diego on the bench, but they've also had to go five three on the bench, which is not what they ever do. They always go. They love that bomb squad at the World Cup. They called it at six two, and I think the Lions have followed them with that. They've they've gone five three themselves. They're, they're not quite as big and imposing possibly as they were at the World Cup. Because interestingly enough, in Alex Lowe's team, he had one, it at six two yeah. uh, with Henderson. That's the one thing he got wrong. And your point about Alan Wynne Jones. You know, we all thought, well, that makes sense. He not only has two, he got Ty Byrne rows, on, yeah. on, on the on the bench, but he's also um, you know got H- Henderson. So that's going to be really interesting. You'd expect if everything goes to plan and and, uh, and Alan Wynne Jones stays on the field, you'd expect him to come off around the 50 minute mark. Courtney Laws to shift into the second row and Ty Byrne to come on at six. But both the skippers are undercooked, though. I mean, it, it, they're, they're massive figureheads for the two teams. Alan Wynne Jones and Sia Khaleesi, they're they're real kind of flag bearers and they're both coming in off no rugby in Khaleesi's case and 20 minutes last week for for Alan Wynne-Jones which was enough to for them to sort of say he can start but actually one of the interesting things Gatlin said to the media on Wednesday when he named the team was that they decided Alan Wynne-Jones was going to start when they decided that Ali Price was going to start at scrum half so they had when they decided that they didn't have Conor Murray in the 15 they then went back to Alan Wynne Jones, and he was going to be on the bench until yeah. then. I, I thought that was a remarkable just, just, thing. Just to on admit. that selection, because there's a lot of people who are probably. I mean, that's the great story of the Lions. You know, there's a player on there, Ali Price, who many people wouldn't have even picked to go on the tour in the first place, and yet he's he's found a way to start the first test. Do you think? And, and I know it was against limited opposition, but what he gives them is tempo. What he gives them is this ability to move the ball away that little bit quicker than Conor Murray, whose first instinct is not to look for the forward runner, but to look to move the ball a bit. And if you're going to beat South Africa at some point, you need that tempo early on in the game. And you can argue that the bench that he's gone with, I mean, clearly the Lions need a fast start in this test match. They can't play like they did against South Africa A and give, give themselves 10-point you know, lead or a 10-point deficit and have to you know, climb the mountain. They've got to come out the blocks fast. But equally, he's got so much experience off the bench. Liam Williams, you know, Connor Murray, Owen Farrell. It looks to me like he's picked, uh, probably going, to, you know, too far, jumping the gun too much, but he, he's picked a starting team that he hopes is going to get some points on the board. And then he's got, the, as Eddie Jones would call them, the finishers, to come on and you know, even Ty Burns. Ty Burns' turnover stats are off the charts. So if South Africa are chasing a game, which he's hoping they will be, to have that guy that, that can poach along with you know, Watson as well that can do the job, maybe that is it. You know, play, the, play the field position, just maybe consolidate a little bit, but try and get that first start. I think the thing about Price is that he has, he has been 
clearly the standout scrum half on tour. He's played himself into the 15. I think more Murray's played himself out of the 15, unfortunately. Like it, it, well, anyone who got picked against South Africa, right? Is that a, is that a, is that a tough tour? <laughs> yeah, they're all gone, they, really? aren't they? <laughs> and anyone who got picked against the Temperance 15 um, has <laughs> <laughs> had a pretty good tour, isn't they? It's really? a hell of a side. <laughs> and the Temperance second 15 <laughs> and the Temperance third 15 in the other game. So uh, we're all good. Um, before we continue with this podcast, we need to refuel on the London Pride because uh, we... Uh, Responsibly refuel. <laughs> absolutely. This is the Dropkick Challenge with Fuller's London Pride. Outstanding Amber Ale, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Will, um, what uh, rugby trivia... Lions rugby trivia you've got lined up for us today. Yeah, it's that part of the show where I put yours and Ben's knowledge of Lions trivia to the test. After Ben's miraculous recovery last week, it's 15 all. You know how it works. It's, it's three miraculous points Miraculous recovery piece. where I was in Ireland, obviously dialing in remotely, and you were sat next to you with the answers on the table. That. You snooze, you lose, Lawrence. Um, <laughs> Should have been here. Yeah, anyway, the questions this week are all about... They're all linked, in a way, to, to the Lions captain, Alan Wynne-Jones. Uh, there's three questions, three points apiece. Question one, Alan Wynne-Jones will lead the Lions out against South Africa on Saturday, but in what year did a Welshman first captain the Lions? Um, we're going all the way back here. The first tour was 1888. The only clue I'll give you was that it wasn't on the very first tour. So I need a year. And again, closest to it, it's going to take the three points. I'll go 1908. I don't even know if there's a tour then. Uh, Around then, I don't know. I'll go. Uh, I'll go the, the next. The next tour after that, 19, uh, 1912. The answer is 1904. So Ben takes. I'd be nearest, would I? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, that was when Teddy Morgan took over the captaincy oh, on the 1904 tour right. of Australia and New Zealand. That's right. After the original choice, who I'm sure you Dislocated remember, shoulder. David Bedell Sivright oh, no. broke his leg in the opening right. game. No one gives a shit about that. To be <laughs> no, that, 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 that David, was proper I mean, touring, though, wasn't it? Because he be, probably so didn't. Someone once break their leg on the boat on yeah, the way yeah. out, and they played yeah. in the last game. Well, it took three months to get there, didn't it? Really. So. And he picked yeah. his glass eye up of the floor at the same time. By the time he arrived, the bloke who broke his leg was fit to play. I mean, that's just perfect. That's perfect touring that is right right second question Ben has taken a 15 12 uh, 15 18 lead first time you've led at any stage yeah yeah Uh, question two including Alan Wynne Jones how many times has been a Welsh captain of a Lions squad I should probably guess first shouldn't I yeah Um, um, I would say seven tours Ben I'll go eight Oh, savage. It's 12 times. Yeah, so that's me again, is it? <laughs> so Ben has taken the points again. So uh, you stretch your lead out to 21 15. I thought seven might be somewhere close. And, yeah. You know, sort of split down I the keep middle. seeing us on the screen behind. I think I'm watching an 80s episode of EastEnders with the Mitchell brothers. It's ridiculous. Have you seen Sli- pe- slightly have you- more effeminate coloured clothes that I we're think wearing. It's, uh, more of a right said Fred reunion, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> right, question three, third and final. Um, I reckon you guys should have a, a slightly better idea about this one. At 35, Alan Wynne-Jones is also set to become the oldest ever Lions captain. But who is the oldest player to have made a test appearance in a Lions shirt? And as I say, I reckon you guys should have a sense of this. Jason Leonard. Lawrence? I'm, I'm going to go with um, 
Simon Shaw, actually. Shall I go with Simon Shaw? It's Neil Back. Really? <laughs> well, listen, on the fact that Ben played with him, I think you should, you should offer the so point. So did you. 36 years and 174 <laughs> days in 2005. Okay. So no points. No know. points for them. We finished the round with yeah. Ben. 18, 18, 18, 15. 18, 15. Yeah. 18, 15. Yeah. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Okay, let's look forward to the camp news. Um, We can discuss uh, with Will, who's got exclusive uh, interviews with everyone. Um, Everything other than what we've already discussed, which is the selection. Um, Anything else to tell us, uh, Will, about what's happening? I mean, uh, Ben mentioned earlier that we've known for, we've we've had a sense for a few weeks for the whole tour staying in Cape Town, but it's been confirmed now. And I, I do think that's a pretty significant moment for the Lions to know that they're not going to be up at altitude. I mean, I think you guys have spoken a little bit about it on previous pods, uh, like quite what a difference that makes as a player when you're absolutely blowing at altitude. Um, so I think the Lions will be absolutely buzzing about that news. Ben, do you, I mean, am I making too much about this first test? Because I think when you look at stats in rugby, and particularly international rugby, but also big club games... Teams that, that come out the blocks fast, that tend to be winning at half-time, do tend to win the game. I mean, often you've seen sides come from behind and, and end up, you know, turning things around. But it's, but it's the exception rather than the norm. And against South Africa A, the Lions made a slow start and it cost them the game. Um, in 2009, they made the wrong selections in the first test. They didn't change it till after half-time and it cost them the game. Um, and five out of the last seven Lions tours have been won by sides who won the first test. So is the, does the whole series rest on, this, on the outcome of this first match? No, it doesn't, but it is pretty important because, the, as we said before, the Lions is all about belief. And if you get belief in that first game, then you know the opposition are going to come back at you. Obviously, if you win the second one, happy days. But if you don't, you've still got that, well, we know we can beat them. Whereas if you lose the first one, you might lift yourself in the second to come back at them, but then you've got to go again and find something even more. So, and, of you're, course and, you're, and, you're, and you're under pressure, aren't you? And, yeah. and it kind of changes the game plan. Because yeah. And the coach you, questions whether yeah. his selection was right, yeah. and you might just throw all those people out. You know? Yeah. On, on this tour, guys, I mean, you've got far more sort of understanding of this than me, but like this tour, there's no such thing as a dirt tracker or bin juice or whatever Haskell called it. This first test on, on Saturday, there's 
there's probably 15 or 16 guys who are not involved in the 23, but I, my sense is that they, they know that they've still got a part to play in a way they might well, they not are, have done. They are the crowd. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's obviously, and I think they might outnumber the South Africans as well. So I think I'll be, you know, a bit like the uh, Premiership final, you know, extra Queens. I'll be making banners and everything. I mean, you know, maybe having a few pints before the game. They'd certainly had a few pints at the <laughs> Premiership final, yeah. So what, what, what do you reckon that changes on this tour in terms of unity and the squad, well, like, staying I actually, together? Yeah, that could be a little bit of a coach thing where you actually want, because they've got nowhere them to go, you've actually got to keep them within everything really because they can't disappear off and the midweek team would always be told go and have a bit of fun but just make yeah. sure they, that you leave the, the hotel inter- Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, Friday yeah but with, with permission tackle, tackle a, a, a little bit but just make sure you're there and you bring the intensity whereas now they can't do that so unless you incorporate them you're going to have problems you know because they're going to get bored and they're going to you know be thinking well I wish I was playing and, and, and everything else so I think it's really important and, and also I, I think Hendo, you know, you've got experience of this as well. Warren Gatland mentioned it in his press conference, which you, you were at, Will. Yes, the, the team that's been picked for the first test is important. There's, there's guys who are related, there's guys who are disappointed. But we know from previous international games, previous Lions tours, this series will not be won by the 15 guys named in, in the starting lineup. It's going to be won by a lot more people because the attrition rate in South Africa is high. There will be injuries, sadly. Uh, there will be people coming in and out of the test series, I think. And therefore, he does need a, a collective. And any of us who've been on successful Lions tours will know that it's not won by 15 guys. It's not won by 23, 24. It's won by 36, maybe even more. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that there's no... Ben's already said it. The fact that there's no crowd there, they've got to keep themselves consolidated. They've got to keep tight. Um, and, and they've got to be as robust as they can be. And anyone that had those disappointments, they can't go and vent their steam and go off tour. As a, as a lot of people used to do, Lawrence. And, um, well, I was it, injured by the time I'd gone off tour, to be fair. I don't think you were, actually. But, um, yeah. Do you know what? When I got injured in New Zealand, I have to say, I stretched it off. Ben, were you, did you play in that first game? Bay of Plenty. Uh, uh, yes, I did, yeah. yeah, so yeah, I yeah. Stretched it off. I was on the bench, I think. Went over to help Brian O'Driscoll with a tackle, which was a waste of time. Fractured, dislocated my ankle. And I got stretched off the field. It looked sore, to be fair, <laughs> from where I was. And I'll never forget, I took my, do you know what? I took my Lions jersey off and I gave it to the guy and I said, look, hang that on the peg of the bloke that I'm playing against because I'm pretty sure he'll want that. And I got into the, I got into the ambulance and, well you, well, you do, don't you? I got into the ambulance with Gary O'Driscoll, the Lions. Tell him not to eBay it. Yeah, yeah, don't eBay it. So I was in the ambulance with Gary O'Driscoll. It was in Rotorua and we got to Rotorua General Hospital and there was one bloke there. He was a 19-year-old intern. He'd been left there by the surgeon. And he came, he came out like he was foaming at the mouth. He said, mate, he said, I've just seen it on the telly. He said, I reckon you fractured, dislocated your ankle. And I'm lying there on the bed like that. <laughs> Ankles facing southwest. And uh, he, he looked at me and he started foaming even more. He went, can I have your kit? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, uh, I tell you what, I'm in a lot of pain. Get me some morphine, lots of it, and you can have the entire kit bag, mate, as far as I'm concerned. Good job you said that. Otherwise, it might have been like Misery, the film, and he might have just tied you, tied you down and taken it off. He, he woke up in a shed eight mile away. So, true, true story. So, I said to Gary, I said, uh, anyway, fast forward. I had the morphine very quickly. And I was in La La Land, getting all the messages that I couldn't read from all my mates. Um, and next thing, three hours later, the surgeon 
comes back from the game, smashed out of his face, <laughs> and grabs me, grabs the ankle, goes, yeah, we'll operate on that in the morning. I looked at Gary, I went, no way is this cowboy operating on me. I said, go and find me whoever operates on Sean Fitzpatrick and Jonah Lomu. So sure enough, we went down to Auckland, and the next day I had an operation. The guy was called Bruce Twaddle, was the surgeon, and he came in, he said, right, good news and bad news. I said, what's the good news? He said, got a nice piece of kiwi metal in your leg. He said, you might be playing in about six months' time, if you're lucky. So that's the good news. <laughs> What's the bad news? He said, the bad news is you can't fly home for three weeks. You've got, to, you've got to stay in Auckland for three weeks. And bear in mind, the Lions then left town the next day. So I got my boarding pass. See you later. We've got to go to Christchurch. You're not allowed to fly. You're on North Island. We're on South Island. Off you how, go. How did you occupy the time, Lawrence? Funny enough, do you know what happened? Simon Taylor had got injured as well. He'd torn his hamstring off his bone. So he was flying home the next day, and I didn't really like Simon Taylor because he was Scottish, and he played number eight. <laughs> that was only two reasons why I didn't like him, but there was a few others. Um, anyway, I said to him, listen, this is a great opportunity for you and I to bond. I said, I'll meet you down in reception. My tour's over. Your tour's over. See you in reception. Uh, seven o'clock. I put the best Italian restaurant. Didn't take long in Auckland. It's called Euro. <laughs> It's, just, it's called Euro. It's was, just, it, was that the price? It's just, down, it's just down the viaduct. I said, we'll go out and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, have, a good, we'll have a good night. And anyway, he said, all right, no problem. Anyway, I'm waiting there. Seven, was he Welsh? He was Welsh, yeah. <laughs> He was from one of those Celtic countries. Anyway, no sign of him at 7.30. I'm waiting in reception. Phoned him out again. No answer. Phoned him out again. I said, well, what were you doing? He said, oh, um, I just didn't feel like I'm just not feeling mentally up to it. I said, so hold on a minute. We've both been ruled out the Lions tour. You know, we're flying home. You're flying home tomorrow. I can't actually... I've got to stay here for three more weeks. Um, you would now want me to go out for dinner on my own. Yeah? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? There's been a few times I've not quite been mentally up to going out with you, Lawrence, but... but I was <laughs> going to say, in fairness, yeah, but... Lolly's got a point. Well, listen, he missed a great night because I walked straight in there and obviously the Lions were paying, so I went, mm, I think we'll have the uh, magnum of Sasakaya tonight, funny yeah. enough. <laughs> so, we were, it was a good night, let's be honest. It was good fun. Um, right, we are now, we're now going to swiftly move on to... Uh, well, the only thing we missed, the, big, the biggest news to come out of the tour was that when Conor Murray sat down with Warren Gatland and Alan Wynne-Jones to talk about who was going to be uh, the Lions captain moving forward, Gats obviously said uh, Alan Wynne-Jones is going to be the uh, Lions captain moving for for forward and Conor Murray apparently said, can I still keep the presidential suite? Yes, deal, done. <laughs> Listen, it's the right decision, and we all know that, as long as he stays on the field. Um, right, we are now going to move, out, uh, move into the uh, outstanding piece, which we do for every podcast, and I'm going to put all of my guests on the spot and ask them for one player um, in the British and Irish Lions that they are really looking forward to watching. Uh, maybe it might be a controversial selection, or it might just be a really important selection. Outstanding, the one to watch with Fuller's London Pride, the outstanding Amber Eel. Ben, I'm going to start with you. Um, I'm guessing it might be a forward. No, it's not. Duhan van der Merwe. Because for a lot of people, they're saying, is he the right choice? He has the opportunity to be go either go down in Lions folklore or be binned off for the second by, test. By the way, if, if, he, that, get, if he gets stepped by Ches and Colby, that, is, any, not the, that no, is not the end of his trip. No, we want to know what he can do with ball in hand. 
against a Cheslin Colby. And, and, and he has the potential. There are, there are loads of people that we look back on their careers and, and go, oh, yeah, they were always like front and center. You know? But some people in a Lions shirt just step up to the mark and, and they then have this rich history that's associated with the famous red jersey. And he could potentially do that. If he has a big moment in the game, for example, you know, George North carrying Izzy, Izzy Falau over his back as a backpack, that sort of thing would put him down in, in, in the uh, and, annals and, of time. And to be honest, he you know, is probably another one of those players that up until the tour, maybe after the games, you wouldn't have necessarily no, had no, no. But in your if starting But if lineup. it doesn't go well... He won't play next week. I guarantee and that. It's yeah. incredible to leave out Josh Adams, wasn't it? I mean, we, all the people we mentioned being omitted, whether it's Falatau or George or whoever, but Josh Adams has got eight tries in three games or whatever. Set the record, and he's watched his wife give birth over Zoom. I yeah. mean, that must be a, that must that also be. That was the moment his tour turn. I mean, with Van der Merwe, I mean, he's the uh, he's the number one spring jock that the Lions have got. Spring jock, <laughs> and um, and I and I think that uh, he, he's played his way into the position. I mean, for me personally, one person that I think can unlock defences is, is Hoggy. I think he's, uh, for all his um, lack of defensive uh, commitment in attack, he can, he think, can make things happen. Do you think it's a boom or bust selection, Hoggy? Because, you know, it's been funny, isn't it? Exeter Chiefs early on in the season, you know, when he first started, he was, he was front and centre. As it got to the business end, you know, he was left out the side. And I think Rob Baxter was trying to leave him out to get a reaction. It didn't really work, did it? And then he didn't pick him for the final. And I think Warren Gatlin was very understood that and thought, I've got, you know, if I want to get the best out of Stuart Hogg, I've, I've got to manage this situation quite carefully. Well, Gatlin has done the same with Elliot Daly. He's, he's gone, you've not had the best run with coaches. I'm going to be your best mate and get the best out of you. I think he would have played in the final had Jack Knoll just had the best game in the semi-final at fullback. I think Rob Baxter was probably expecting that to happen, that he'd bring him back for the final, but he just couldn't leave Jack Knoll out for, for, for how he played. So... Hendo, who, who is the player you're, that you're, you're, you're going to look out for? Is it Hoggy? It, it, it is Hoggy, because I think that uh, when he gets the ball, he, uh, he does the, the things that the defence aren't looking at. He, he can create you know, space. He, he does those things. If it works really well, Benny and I and the forwards go, brilliant, you should have always been picked. And if it doesn't work well, just give him the old brow, give him the finger. <laughs> well, where, where, where are you focusing your attention? These boys have gone for a, for a back. I'm going to go for a forward. Jack, Jack Conan, where, where, when the squad was named... He was actually, of all of the, the names that surprised me, he was the one that really stood out. Um, and he's kind of come from nowhere. Again, it might be another kind of, a bit like Price and Murray, Falatau sort of pushing himself out of contention a little bit. But Conan's had a great tour um, and, and he de deserves his start, I think. And yeah, I, I'm I think looking forward to seeing him with Laws and Curry as well. Curry, obviously, is I think world class. I think you're right. It's one of those things that you look at it and you go, you know, and I still say this, and, I'm, and this is not a derogatory in any way, I'm just... You scratch your heads and think, how are certain players on that trip? And you look at yourself and think, if Billy Vunapola anywhere near the capability that he's, you know, he can deliver, he's in that trip. If Caelan Doris hadn't picked up a massive concussion injury, you know, I think he was going to be my player that was going to break through on this Lions tour and be an outstanding number eight. And Jack Conan couldn't even get in the Ireland squad. And then he played a blinder against England. And I think you do need extra ball carriers. And I think what he has delivered on this trip is whenever he's got the ball, you know, he's very simple, very direct. He carries the ball forward, which is exactly what you need against South Africa. And I think Palatau, 
if you're type five and monstering a team, you, you, Falatau is, is a very good yeah. luxury because he can bring all the bits and pieces and all the magic. If you're type five, which they're not going to do against South Africa, they're not going to monster South Africa, you need extra ball carriers in your team. And Falatau is a bit lightweight for me against South Africa. I agree. I think if it's New Zealand or Australia, you pick Falatau. That, that goes back to the same point with, with Van der Merwe, actually, that, that certain people... Yeah, we look back with hindsight and go, oh yeah, they were always a great player, but you didn't know it beforehand. And '97 Lions was was, you know, you were there, but that was when I sort of, I think a lot of people really fell in love with the Lions concept because it really worked in professional rugby. Yeah, we'd all sort of watched it as kids and things, but that tour there were loads of people on there that probably weren't full-on starters when they went out. Yeah, the likes of Tom, Tom Smith who was an absolute... Jeremy Davidson. Team, yeah, yeah. Gregor Townsend and, at 10. And that's the great thing about the Lions. These people can just peak in their career at exactly the right time. I want you to name one South African player that if you could delete him from the team sheet because he's such a massive threat to the Lions that you would love to delete from their, their team sheet. Well, uh, the one I'm going to go for is a bloke I didn't notice throughout the World Cup and it was only against in the South Africa A game that I realised how good he was. But he's a captain in that game. Lucanio Am is an absolute... He's got the shortest surname on the planet, but he's an absolutely phenomenal outside centre. And I, I just think that combination with Dialende, it's going to be really hard work for Robbie Henshaw and Elliot Daly. But Lions are obviously going to take them on it a different, in a different way, but I think Am just kind of makes that backline work. You've got a to bit. think that Dan Big has been practicing his little short chips over the yeah. top of that. Get them turning. You know the Saffers, they, it's just, I mean, they love to run at you ball in hand, but equally defensively, don't think there's a side that blitzes harder than South Africa. But sometimes it can be intelligently, and sometimes it can be unintelligently. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think if, if Bigger's on his game, I think you can unlock, you know, as the ki- as we've seen the Kiwis do in many a rugby championship game. Ben, who who is the the um, the Springbok that you are, are really concerned about? If he's on his game, and listen, there are many, as we know, but if he's really on his game, who is the key to unlocking the Lions? It's not so much who I think, but I think the one that would psychologically dent the Springboks the most, if you know, don't never wish injury on anyone, but if someone wasn't available, is Peter Steftertoit. I think. That, that there's a feeling that there's a feeling that they're a little bit lightweight in the back row with Quagga Smith in there, uh, and uh, but you know I, I think obviously World Player of the Year around the off, off the back of the World Cup, um, but I just think everyone thinks that he is you know, unbreakable and, and a little bit like Alan Wynne Jones when we were worried he wasn't going and the effect that that had on the on the on the Lions camp and the Lions fans I think it's the same with him. Do you know what I am? I know that this, this selection has been borderline controversial, but Tom Curry and Hamish Watson, yes, Hamish Watson, player of the Six Nations, yeah, outstanding player, but Tom Curry, let me tell you now, 22 years of age, it, when England win, he plays well. When England don't win, he still plays well. And he is a phenomenal rugby player. He is going to be England captain in the future, if not next year, yeah. at least when Eddie Jones goes back to Australia, he will be England captain. He is a wonderful player. He's got a massive challenge on his hands against, you know, Steph Tatoy. And I, I, I'm so excited because everyone said to me, who's going to be the guy over the ball in the breakdown? Who's going to be the guy that's actually going to give us that little bit of edge? So um, I, I, I know he's not South African. I, I, saw, <laughs> I was going to say, you kind of uh, negated no, your no, own no, question there, Lil. But, but, but if okay. you take him out of the Springboks team, they are rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Tom to Steph Curry. There we are. Um, what's your, who's the Springbok that you are 
Is it in the centres? Obviously, it, already been mentioned, yeah, or is it, or is it the uh, golden unicorn that plays at scrum half? Go on. Well, I mean, De Klerk is just an unbelievable player. He's the number two scrum half in the world at this stage. I think behind. Do you think Ali Price will ask for his autograph? No, but I think his brother Fisher's got some of his toys. Um, <laughs> the the guy that I would go for is uh, Etabeth. I think he's just a monster in the second. Well, he doesn't look could, fun to play. Because if they lose him, they've got another five cyclops yeah, but, on the yeah, bench. But the they, the really? difference <laughs> is that that guy is he's got experience. He's enormous. He's rugged, he's dirty, he's filthy, he'll get in everyone's faces. And I think, to be perfectly honest with you, I think Alan Wynn is going to have a, a really tough time be against him. Marrow as well. be really interesting how well, Marrow He's been quiet, hasn't he, on this trip? He's been a little bit quiet, and, but he, he's and ben, also... Ben, you and I saw him in that World Cup semi-final. And whatever you think about Marrow Soji, that performance was, you know, and it wasn't necessarily the one that was headline-grabbing, but he was magnificent. Uh, amazing. Do we need that level of performance from him yes, if we're going to win? But a little bit quiet in the final. I, I think he is fantastic. He obviously played my position. I think, you know, he's streets ahead of anything I achieved. What's going to be interesting is how he deals with someone like Etzebeth, because he could potentially be jumping against him, but it's, that's not important. Etzebeth's the sort of player... You know, a little bit like we've all had to deal with that will go after certain people on the field and, and, and because the, the eyeballs will be on if you're not that sort of player Marrow's not a dirty player he's physical, he's strong he's not dirty if someone's constantly going for you how you react then becomes a big story in the game that's exactly uh, it Ben I think, he's, I think Etzebeth he can bully people He's got that physical domination and presence. Marrow's an athlete. Bit like, Alan Wynn's got the experience. In, he's in a bit of a no-win situation. If he goes for him yeah. and Marrow throws one back, everyone will go, oh, he's got to him. He's got to him yeah. when actually... But also, yeah. he's got to control. I mean, I was a penalty machine, by the way. You know, I could give away penalties like the best of them, as could Martin Johnson, as could Jason Leonard, as could quite a few of us, really. Marrow, when things aren't going well, he can be a bit of a penalty machine, as we saw in the Six Nations, you know, against Wales. If they're going brilliantly, as he was in New Zealand... You know, it goes the other way. And I think, who's referee in the first test, by the way? Alan Wynne-Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so, shall we? Well, no, I, I, think, I think that's quite important, actually, because that's one thing that maybe, you know, pairing Marrow with him, Marrow, uh, like Alan Wynne-Jones sort of, he, he takes a little bit of that yeah, away. Absolutely. He's got that experience to, to yeah. go and stand in the way. Yeah, and, they can't and, chase, they, yeah. they mustn't do what they did against Wales and chase lost causes early on and, and give away dumb, silly penalties as the Lions did in South Africa in 2009 and it cost them the game. Well, listen, we could talk for absolutely hours on the Lions selection. Uh, that's it for this episode. My great thanks to, to Ben Kay, to Will and especially to Rob who came in at the last minute um, just because I knew how to tempt him, really, with uh, a few pints. and A, a few pints of pride, they'll do me. <laughs> Responsibly. And uh, thank you to everyone here at The Temperance. Hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, and if you have, don't forget to like us, subscribe, and let all your friends know. See you next time. Lawrence Delalio's Lions Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.